Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through all the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me to enter the DCU as the first, I don't know, I guess, Mexican dinner in a movie that we finally get out there, it is Zachary, I should say, Zacarias yeah man I mean I definitely feel in the spirit after uh, a Blue Beetle screening it was definitely a, a uh, festive affair and you know not much to celebrate, I feel like, in terms of the movie slate this weekend. We're in the doldrums of August where the studios have released the movies they're uh, really confident in. And they're just kind of throwing some more stuff out there until we get to award season. But always fun to talk about the movies, whether or not they're our favorites or least favorites. We'll find plenty to get into. Uh, how was your Blue Beetle experience? Did you? Uh, was it like seeing a movie with La Familia? Um. No, because the theater was empty. I'm pretty sure your oh. theater was empty. Everybody's theaters was empty. Like you said, it is August. It's almost it, yeah. it was like perfectly correlated. Remember when Disney was like, you know what? And at this point in time, we're going to wrap up the Endgame saga. And I don't know what might happen in the year 2020, <laughs> but maybe we should push Disney Plus at home. Mm-hmm. It's like the writer's strike was perfectly managed right before the last big movie event. And then nobody mm-hmm. cared about any of the other movies coming out. But that is August. August, mm-hmm. we've always said, is kind of like the second January of the year in terms of these studios uh, knowing that you're going to spend it all on, what, pencils, school supplies? <laughs> they know no one's really going to go out. Yeah. Um, but I would say the the Latino vote doesn't count for this weekend because Latinos don't – I mean, they do. Some, I, but Tuesdays <laughs> need to count. Like when a Latino movie comes out, that's got to be a five-day weekend because you got to count right. the $5 discount Tuesdays. <laughs> so we'll see the real numbers uh, come Wednesday. But nonetheless, we do have a couple of movies to talk about today that are out in theaters as well as on demand and VOD and streaming, all that good stuff. Like Zach had mentioned, we're going to be talking about Blue Beetle, which is the first, if you don't count Nacho Libre, uh, superhero that is out <laughs> on the big screen. Strays, which is <laughs> the movie that every single time I saw some, uh, like an older person watching this trailer, they would cackle a little too hard and they were still sober. The Monkey King, which is out over on Netflix, is the newest animation that is going to kind of mix in with those other animations from the previous years that you don't remember. That one right there. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Monkey King for this yep. year. Hulu said, if you don't want to go out to the theaters, we got a kind of a Blue Beetle at home uh, mm-hmm. with no superpowers, but still that, that Familia kind of uh, uh, storyline going on with Miguel wants to fight over on Hulu. Uh, and then Bad Things, a Shutter original movie that came out this weekend. So we got a, a good variety of genres, uh, a good spectrum of things to cover. So why not start it off with the first one that we mentioned, which is... Blue Beetle, the new one yeah. by Angel Manuel Soto, who, if you remember, I think was the last uh, Sundance before the pandemic. He yeah. had made Charm City Kings, and that thing, like, smacked, right? It, ha- it, had, mm-hmm. <laughs> it had everything going for it. This kid was on the come-up. This director was on the come-up. You had really good producers, Will and Jada Smith. Like, everything was going perfectly in early 2020 for this movie. And then everything just crashed. Obviously, you know, the producer stuff would come later. But Charm City Kings would go straight to HBO Max. Blue Beetle was supposed to go to HBO Max. Did you know that? Uh, Yeah. It it was originally, at least, going to be one of those, you know, uh, big movies that was produced directly for Max that was supposed to get people to sign up for the service until a lot of changes happened at DC. Yeah. Uh, there was a variety of different things because if you remember, it was the Batgirl movie. There was like this twins movie. A lot of them were just going to be going straight there. Uh, 
since then things have been cut. There's like a whole new initiative. It has come out in theaters. Zach, this movie was made for the superhero fans like you. What did you think <laughs> of Blue Beetle? Um, you know, it, it's it's frustrating because I, I found it to be an incredibly unoriginal property despite its pretty original uh collection of cast you know like obviously there's a lot being made of this being like the first big latino superhero movie and when it leans into that that's when it does kind of feel fresh and it does feel fun um but there's just so much here that is carbon copied from other perhaps better superhero movies you know the whole uh blue beetle dynamic that uh, we fall into where it's a regular kid in a super suit talking like uh, a talking AI that is unleashing like super weapons. That kind of feels like uh, one of the early Tom Holland Spider-Man movies just sort of like repackaged into like one character. And then, you know, there's a, like a whole arc about like, you know, you have to your love gets in the way or does your love make you stronger? That's like every one of these movies. You know, it's just been. It, so many of these elements feel so derivative and, and, and so used before that, it, I don't know, I felt like it was so going by the numbers that I it, there was almost no reason to pay attention to the plot. It's just there for, like, the the feel of it. So I kind of had a bad time with this one, but I don't know. Did you... You're a little more forgiving, I think, of the superhero genre. Were, were you... Uh, enjo- well, <laughs> did, you, did you enjoy the beats here? I think in all of these movies, right? Because you're saying, like, it's not original. And I think yeah. that they've gotten to the point where they're never going to make a better story. It's going to be this prepackaged, generic... Origin. Like, every time they're like, this is the first whatever. They're just gentrifying that. They, they haven't mm-hmm. been able to put that up on the big screen. I think the reason why Angel, as a director, is able to make whatever he wants is because that's the part, like, I don't know. They don't know Spanish, so they don't <laughs> know what to untranslate. Uh I like everything dealing with the family. And I think if you're Latino and you get a lot of those references, you're going to really enjoy that. It's the same studio blockbuster movie packaged into a kid getting an Iron Man suit trying to make it, right? I I already kind of knew that going in, though. So it's like, what other movie hasn't already done that? So I guess, like, I was already uh, embracing the impact. Um, I have been seeing a lot of people, like... They were hyped for this, but I don't think there was any hype for this. There was no marketing for this. No. The last thing that you remember like seeing for this was a couple of posters. There's no character posters for this. I don't know if you saw, Dolby didn't put up Showtimes until the day before because Warner Brothers kind of was like, we're making a lot of money with Barbie. And mm-hmm. from a money standpoint, you should have kept it at Barbie because if you're going to half-ass a release, there's kind of no reason for it uh, at that point. Um the movie does an interesting thing where it's dealing with like it kind of being the real world, but it not being the real world Um, compared to a lot of the other movies that have come out that kind of do like the culture clash. What would be the standouts for you? Uh, With, with this, I mean like obviously with the cast, you know, George Lopez. Oh, other movies, other movies. Yeah. Like in, in comparing DC Marvel, I mean, whatever other superheroes we have, like what, what's the prime example of doing it right? Jeez, I mean, you know, I, I think I, I I hate to go back to Black Panther for there's obviously some similar some thematic similarities that they're trying to get at here, but like that's a movie that was able to take the trappings of the superhero genre, but like make it feel completely within like. Th- feels like it emerged from the type of story they're trying to tell, right? It isn't just sort of pasting these characters onto a formula. It's how would these characters operate within that formula, right? And and 
I don't know. It, to me, it's more of like a top-down aesthetic cohesion that makes that movie transcend a little bit more to me. But I'm trying to think what else in the superhero genre has really spoken to me recently. It, it's not been that much outside of Guardians. So you had low expectations going to you yeah super to go low expectations it. and and look like I I mean at the very least it sort of helped me identify like one of my least favorite film genres where like I, I identified it as like any movie that uh, the characters could pos- plausibly say Grandma where'd you lo- learn to shoot like that because like all of a sudden the whole family now is like a super team and everything's just going perfectly and uncomplicatedly and it just there's like a lack. I don't know, the, the, the lack of th- tension and difficulties just sort of makes the whole thing breezy and, like, tensionless to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think the movie's kind of put in this, like, debacle where uh, it, it's going to be a regular blockbuster fair. The, like, we've, we've gotten to the point where the only thing that they're really touting is, like, but look at this hispanic story that could be used in another original movie but yeah. we're going to package it in here for this big blockbuster i think that has been a complaint that i've had since the beginning mm-hmm. uh it, it's never really mattered but i think the the superhero fatigue that people talk about isn't so much superhero fatigue it's this idea of you are pitching people the foods that they like but everybody else who doesn't eat that food isn't going to go for it and you're not doing anything interesting right. that is changing like the whole roll out to it. So if everybody already knows the basic generic uh, origin story, if you're going to add some, you know, spice to to the mix of the cast and the way that they talk mm-hmm. to each other, that second part also needs to be fixed. Absolutely. When you don't have a movie that is connected to the old DCU or the new DCU, you're also caught in this limbo where it makes no sense. I thought there was this very funny meta element to it where when this kid appears in the movie, he's like, he does this whole, he's like looking out into the, is my first movie, guys. And he's staring straight into the camera. And it doesn't feel like he just arrived back home. It feels like we made it. It's like he's telling everybody, all three people in the audience, like, here we are. We're finally mm-hmm. on the big screen. And then the whole rest of the movie is kind of what the movie had to go through in real life, which is this idea of like, where really are you? Like, yeah, you, you'd worked your hardest to get the degree. Uh, now what? You worked your hardest and now you got the first Blue Beetle, whatever title they're giving it. And will it be part of the next one or not? There's been nothing more weird than the idea of this being the first DCU movie, but the Superman movie coming out is actually like for real. The first DCU movie, yeah. you know, Zach, like, like you might, you my podcast host, but like, like for real, we just waiting for uh, another podcast host. Like that does it. That, that is the most backhanded compliment mm-hmm. to somebody. So, I don't know. To me, it's like it's caught in this limbo. That's exactly what the character goes through. Um, and while a lot of the standout performances from the family uh, do stand out, they they almost swamp Sholo, who is the main character here. I like him. I think he's a lot better than what he was in Cobra Kai. I don't know how much of Cobra Kai you saw. And not much at all. So he was basically a, a fresh actor to me. And yeah, he's like somewhat charming he's not charming, i don't think yeah. i don't think he's like a standout like you said but he's he's serviceable for sure yeah i think he's better than he is in the show only because no one in the show really has like really good lines i think he's mm-hmm. a lot better here i think he's got a lot uh, more growing to do and i've been hearing some interviews with him talking about like he wants to take those acting classes to the next level so i appreciate that um mm-hmm. but in terms of like how this is going to build out i yeah. i don't see the attraction for other people i mean it's still a superhero movie at the end of the day right and if it's a superhero movie at the end of the day you have all, all the previous incarnations that have been helped by one thing 
cameos, these Easter eggs. Like, like there is nothing here, man. I've been seeing Easter egg videos for this movie. Ain't nobody. It's like the first time these big, <laughs> like, Easter egg people have have made their videos under eight minutes. They're not yeah. even talking about, like, the small sweater or the burger little thing. It is just such an afterthought, especially after The Flash, that they messed up in telling you The Flash was the end of something and then nobody showed up. Here, you ain't really got that many problematic people. But if you were to tell them again, yeah, this one also doesn't count, you're kind of, like, left by the wayside. So, look, I, again, enjoyed a lot of the family aspects to it. Yeah. Uh, if you are curious in checking that out, I think it is worth the Tuesday $5 junior price to take your whole family with. There's no there reason to bring everybody and it be the price of that one weekend ticket. Uh, but if you're a big superhero fan, I'm assuming you're going to watch it to add another one to the repertoire. Uh, I think it was Chase who had yeah. said it's like, it's like watching homework. And and honestly, like when you're following the beats of the villain and especially the way of uh, how bad it's organized, it's just, you know, n- not the best. But in terms of the Latino representation, you have a lot of other movies out there that you could watch. This is the only one that costs 120 mil. Right. So it's it's that taking turns of like you know for Hollywood who's getting the next big bag um would there be any independent movies that you would recommend because I know uh you're pretty vocal about like <laughs> why are we fighting for the mediocrity and I've been saying this is the beginning so I'm glad we're all joining here it just so happens to be the blue beetle movie we're not like <laughs> put my foot down and be like that's all it's ever been a- as great as it is it's I know a lot of these jokes are not going to matter to people who don't get them there's beauty mm-hmm. in that I love yeah. that but you got to build up that second half of the story as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, if we're just talking about other films that you can support that sort of like feature a predominantly Latino cast, I think we'll be getting into one a little bit later on this weekend must-watch. Uh, but like they're they're out there, you know. I think if you go back to a lot of our Sundance videos, there's there's a lot of great like independent movies, and we always end up cat like I feel like every year there's one film that comes out of Mexico that is like incredible at Sundance. Um, uh, and it, there's just like there are films that could use that kind of grassroots like if you don't go to the theater you're not supporting x cinema thing more than something that's already got the like superhero backing that's got the yeah. major studio backing which isn't me trying to like really trash blue beetles so much as like i, I don't know i, I just like i want to hear that drum beat more often you know uh, well, do i you mean, feel I, that the, again it's the idea of it being uh, an 120 million dollar project I feel like we've given the praises to every that's other movie that's done the exact same origin story. It's the reason this one's boring is because it's just like the other ones. But if the other one's got the humdrum to it, are we just tired? Is it August? Like, I, I don't see it doing anything different is my only look at it. I'm like, yeah, I expected this to be, you know, they dress up a, a, a high-paying actress, Susan Sarandon, to just be Hillary Clinton for uh, a couple of hours, and then she don't really do much. Yeah, she definitely felt like she was in check-collecting mode in that movie. Easily. All right, Zach. Top five Hispanic movies of 2023. Go. <laughs> of 2023, uh, I mean, do I have to put Flamin' Hot on the list? <laughs> I don't know why my... Ain't no uh, way in hell you just gave that speech you could put Flamin' Hot. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, it's not 2023, but the when we're just talking about Sundance oh. movies and stuff like that, the film that came to mind is uh, We the Animals. Okay, that had a no. little. Uh, it had a little Hispanic in it. I, I, no. I do approve with the animal. I love with the with the animal. Yeah, it's um, got your boy who's also in uh, Miguel wants to fight. Is that the only one, Zach? Twenty nineteen. Then we have no movies. Blue I'm Beetle just, out in theaters. I'm not good Thursday. on the spot. Give me ten minutes to do my research. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Blue Beetle. I would recommend his previous works because he's actually had some really good stuff. I feel like this is a guy who had a push and pull with the studio, and at the end of the day. 
bruh, if they did you dirty with Charm City Kings and they did you do dirty with Blue Beetle, time to go to the next studio. Do the yeah. do the uh, universal exit like Nolan did. Uh, at this point, it makes no sense. And even with Barbie, like y'all have a good movie and you're cutting it on September, which is supposedly what they're saying the release is going to be uh, digitally makes no sense but again yeah if you're curious in blue beetle uh i'd be really surprised when you saw a trailer for it because there's no marketing for this like there's been for any of the other stuff uh let us know your thoughts down below i hope to see more of this type of writing for other things hopefully that gets the budget uh but yeah we'll see blue beetle out in theaters now the next one was one that zach was so excited for because he likes comedies. Strays <laughs> is the newest movie by the dude who I want to say did Good Boys, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Produced Good Boys, oh, no, wrote no, Good uh, Boys. He did uh, Barb and Star. He did Barb and Star. Okay. Yeah. You and I are, are pretty decent fans of Barb and Star. It's funny. But when we talked about it, some people looked at us the way that we're looking at people who really love Strays. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try to explain that. Strays is the newest movie out in theaters that is a raunchy comedy going the full rated R however you'd like to say it in your dog pun uh, about a dog who isn't really in a loving relationship ends up getting kicked out and ends up with a bunch of strays voiced by a slew of different actors jamie fox mm-hmm. uh, isla fisher randall park who kind of show him the ropes yeah did you get enough chuckles at least this is another one i know you weren't high for it but you get enough <laughs> like one or two yeah, at least okay I, I didn't have a bad time at this movie. I don't want to, like, pretend that I, I, like, was sitting there scowling and with my arms folded just being angry. Like, it is it is a trifle. It is, like, it is like air. It is not really anything, right? Like, this isn't... I, I wasn't, like, deeply, deeply offended. I just thought it was also, like, incredibly stupid. Like... A little bit crazy that something so stupid is out in theaters. It feels like they took an old Funny or Die clip and just like lengthened it to 90 minutes. And sometimes it's like those ideas can be funny, but I don't know how much depth to the comedy you can get in some of these very simple ideas. Uh, there's There's a lot of like... There's a lot of stuff in this movie that is clearly, like, written from the perspective of probably a dog owner or a dog lover where you see your dog do certain things and their silly habits. Like, I chuckled at the bit where they're all kind of spinning in circles, figuring out how to lie down comfortably to go to sleep. Like, that's a very – if you, if you have a dog, you've seen them do that. That's the first thing on the whiteboard where they're like, ah, here's one of the good jokes, right? Exactly. And then, and then they goes. put – 10 jokes about dog dicks and about diarrhea and about vomit and eating vomit. And it's like, it's so it's, it's beyond vulgar. It is like vile. It is repulsive and gross and, and disgusting in a way that isn't like, isn't it funny how disgusting they got? No, no, it's just like kind of gross and juvenile. Like I, I feel even though this is rated R, a lot of the humor kind of feels like made for five year olds, you know, to- toddlers would have an okay time at this movie. Um, I don't know. I I just, I get a little bit of like secondhand embarrassment from some of the jokes in this movie. Um, I also don't know if like the voice cast really makes sense here. Like I like all these actors, but none of them feel like they are embodying the, the type of spirit of the dogs that they're supposed to be. They all sound way too old. 
They all sound way too old. They definitely sound scripted. It sounds like they weren't even in the same room when they recorded it. It's like Isla Fisher came back in and would be like, so this is the line. What is it? Don't even, I don't care. Uh, I this, feel okay. that way too. And then I heard that Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell were doing improv together. It doesn't sound like it at all. It doesn't sound like it. They were the only two who are actually kind of working off of each other, but it was the ones with Randall Park and Isla Fisher that just felt like they were adding ad libs at the end of it. Yeah. It felt like ADR in a movie that is already being dubbed. Yeah. But Jamie Foxx is working overtime to really do a lot with a character that's already been there. You had mentioned this being for kids. That dog storyline is uh, Super Pets already, so just go see Super Pets, which is actually for kids. Yeah. This would have to be on mute for kids. Because half the jokes that are in here, it does that cringy thing where it's not for the dogs, it's for the humans. They're only talking about things that humans would care about. Yes. I like that scene that you said where like the dogs are like rolling around and doing that stuff or this idea of them peeing on each other. It's like, okay, you're in the, the mind of the dog. But there's yeah. some other stuff that they bring up where it's like, they wouldn't care about this, bro. <laughs> this is just like for us. It's like the, 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 the angels in the good place. It's like, oh, they just got to look human. Good omen. <laughs> like, like it's always, I don't know. Yeah. Like, no, like I they, like these movies where we go full into their minds. If we're gonna be that, 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 that's a great point. Like there's this whole uh, discussion that they have about how sometimes humans do doggy, doggy style and we do regular style, but no, it's, you wouldn't do like, it's not regular style. You're sort of like backwards thinking it from the perspective of a human. You're of a human. Not, the, uh, you're not embodying the perspective of a dog. They would never say that. Right. And that is ridiculous. Yeah. In cats, they went to cat school. Nobody here went to dog school and it shows. So, <laughs> uh, I I would say you need to be extremely drunk for this movie. Right. Like not in the, not any other specifically that substance. You need to be drunk because it is a stupid movie. You are not mm-hmm. going to be thinking. There is no visceralness to this film. It is one that you need to be ready for just fart jokes and dick jokes and like Zach said, doggy style jokes. It's it's nothing more than that. I yeah. would uh, recommend all of these actors' previous works, uh, other works that they have out this year as well. Strays is a, it's not, this, this is like, it needs to be streaming background parting movie. This is like middle school sleepover material, right? Like this is like, I'd leave halfway through. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be a party I wasn't enjoying, but one that I I can see happening (laughs) in the middle of it. I just realized I wasn't invited here. Damn, bro. And then just did. Um, if you didn't enjoy it, uh, you weren't drunk. (laughs) Uh, not enough. No, <laughs> this was not, uh, it was not hitting in the way that I wanted it to be again, just because you'll have like one really good joke and then just like a lot of dumb stuff that you kind of just need to nod to. Uh, I also thought the pacing was a little off, uh, just the delivery of the way you set up the jokes. They also look like they were animatronic. I don't even want to say animatronic. Can you we know? talk about that, that? Like how has animal talking visuals not really gotten better since Homeward Bound? They're still just kind of yeah. like doing this weird like jaw thing the the german shepherd in this movie particularly looked very strange they look taxidermied and it looks like somebody's yeah. puppeteering them from the back it, it looks like a stop motion movie where you just sort of stop the motion of directing this movie and left it on the wayside but strays is out in theaters if you care to go see it i can guarantee you if this is not universal i i am almost positive this will be out <laughs> by the end of the it's there universal. We go. i can guarantee you this will be out before anyone collects any trick-or-treat candy this fall so um, just wait for it when it comes out. The Monkey King, though, is another one that is out on Netflix. I'm going to be honest. I don't have much to say about this because as excited yeah. as I was about the the cast with it being Jimmy O. Yang, who I find to be very funny, if they let him do his thing, as well as Bo and Yang, if they let him do his thing, mm-hmm. you're kind of limited when it's a Netflix animated movie 
meant for families. But it is supposed to be kind of a take of the the the, leg- the legendary story of the Monkey King, which is really big in Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were laughing last week about that there was that trend where a lot of people came out and were pulling a, <laughs> a really dumb card saying that this was just copying um, Kung Fu Panda. Not 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 realizing, I don't know, anything that influenced Kung Fu Panda and then what would be this. But uh, as an adaptation, as a take, it's cute. It's got that glossy Netflix animation. It's got mm-hmm. some quips here and there. But every quip is like for a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any adult substance in the back. It doesn't need that. But I also can't really say that it's like the most profound, oh, like kids animated action movie. I, I would say something like Kung Fu Panda, which was mentioned unfairly. But I can see the comparisons. That is able to balance everything a lot more. Uh, than this movie is but I, I already expected this to kind of be that billboard that netflix pays for for their animated movie and forgets to take it off by next april this is yeah. the monkey king yeah totally i mean it, it's definitely not the the worst film I, it feels like a much more manic version maybe of, of kung fu panda because it is just like watching this movie feels wow. a little bit like like you've had too much sugar right like it just keeps yeah. moving and going and going and it never really like stops to have a quiet scene or whatever not that it needs it but it just sort of it, there's this like weird energy to it where i never felt like i settled into its rhythms or i felt like i i knew where it wanted me to stand on how I feel about the characters. Like it was very much just like monkey King is going to do a bunch of things. Yeah. And, and I think Jimmy O'Yang is very good as the, you know, in the voice role, I think yeah. he brings a lot of energy to it. He kind of has more energy than I even expected from him knowing his material. So I, I was, I was impressed by that, but I'm, I'm in a similar boat as you. There's kind of not a whole lot to respond to. Like it's not bad, but it's not great either. It just sort of exists. It's, minorly charming and there's some minor chuckles in it but it's not like a a great story or great characters or hilarious jokes it it is like perfectly passable background entertainment if you're bored and on netflix um but i yeah. wouldn't i wouldn't say go out of your way for it so if you're curious the monkey king played in the background yeah uh, if you cancel Netflix for whatever reason, we're like, I'm tired of all these adaptations, then maybe you can go see some original leftover <laughs> properties over on Hulu. I want to say this is one of those Fox movies, or was this meant to go straight to Hulu? I think I this was actually that. meant to go straight to Hulu. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we got a new kind of like action thriller, and I was looking through the cast after I saw this, because I know that you uh, have brought this gentleman up to me a couple of yeah. times. And it, and it made sense because in the previous movie that these two guys have made, uh, Oz Rodriguez, who had done Vampires in the Bronx, mm-hmm. decent, but I think it could have been a lot better in the way that it was orchestrated. Maybe it's because this one's rated a little uh, higher. I want to say it's R, if I'm not mistaken. So much better. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels R at least, or and maybe it's TVMA because it's straight to Netflix. But yeah, the, the vibe here is good. And in my opinion, uh, Miguel Wants to Fight actually kind of does a lot of the things that both Blue Beetle and Strays are trying to do, but maybe a little bit better. It's got that same sort of, as you were mentioning, like uh, like Latino sort of like group uh, dynamic that's going on in Blue Beetle, but it feels a little bit more authentic and a little bit more uh, more like lived in, at least in Miguel Wants to Fight. And then it's got sort of like the adolescent immaturity that's going mm-hmm. on in Strays, but I think it's like, well, much more focused. Like I love that like a big 
or maybe not a big, but one of the plot li- part, one of the plot points in this movie is uh, Miguel being upset because somebody thought he had a boner because his pants were folded weirdly. Like that's yeah. the kind of like dumb adolescent sort of thing that works within the context of a story like this. Bona actually- Lisa. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like silly, silly stuff. But yeah. the thing that really makes Miguel wants to uh, wants to fight kind of work and and be to me the most worthwhile of the films that we're talking about um, is that it's got this really effusive, nerdy love of fight movies that it wears yeah. on its sleeve. Like his his bedroom is lined with posters of great Bruce Lee movies. They do cutaways that are homages to like things like The Matrix and other stuff. The the references, uh, all the even the like fight scenes themselves, whether the choreography or the dynamic camera camera work, kind of packs a punch. I really enjoyed this one. Like, it's definitely um, slight. It, it's not like the most profound movie. It it only runs for seventy five minutes, which you know Does I don't not mind that either. At all. Yeah, exactly. that's why I thought it was a TV series. I thought that was an episode. Yeah, uh, I was watching with Caitlin, and when it ended, she was like, "Wait, this is that's this it? is an episode one." <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I was thinking the exact same thing. It is the like the cast of Friends is what really stands out, which is why because uh, I went into the same thing, and I see you calling it. I also thought it was like this Latino movie, and it was gonna be like Blue Beetle Junior. Would you would you call it really a Latino movie? <laughs> well, you got no, it's one more guy. Like a, yeah, I mean, it's got it, it's got him and his is um, Friends his, Middle Eastern. They got is, a black is, friend, and then I want to say he's like island. He's Filipino, Pacificer. Yeah, in the yeah, back. so the, one Indian friend, one black friend, one Filipino friend. But the lead is uh, the lead is Latino, and I guess his father, played by Raul, Raul Castillo, is is as well. Yeah, it's because Miguel's in the title, bro. That's why. <laughs> I I loved their dynamic. It has got mm-hmm. this goofiness, very quippy uh, attitude that I know I've had with my friends. That love, like you said, the passion of having that connected um, for him in particular being cinema. But then also the way that it kind of like mixes between the group, because what starts it is that they're always getting into fights and they realize Miguel's always been on the sideline. This man mm-hmm. has never actually fought. And this is a guy whose dad is a, a, a gym trainer. One mm-hmm. of them also has a father who like died and he was a boxer. And while he's the biggest and like best fighter in the group, he wants to do the complete opposite. And I thought that that dynamic that they actually had with the friends took some care for every single person kind of having uh, a, a motive. You know, what they serve in the friend group, uh, uh, how they support each other. Uh, one of my favorite parts is the commentary that happens in the back. Uh, the female friend, she was the funniest in my opinion. There were yeah. so many quips. There's just one point where it's like, oh, so now you're doing math about like, oh, well, you were fighting this person. I was fighting that person. And they're like, so how many punches did you land or something like that? And he goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, oh, you don't know math anymore. And it was just those, it's the Little way clips, of, yeah. yeah that it was edited that it worked uh really well for me um obviously it is very i don't want to say the word staged but it is very much like a scripted type of mm-hmm. dialogue i'm not i'm not giving it like you know praises for it being so uh fluent i guess um yeah. but but it feels like this nice uh old-time quippy bit that shot in HD, that is shot in these different formats when they go and homage uh, old Bruce Lee movies. And I think a lot of the jokes that they had even within there about like Kill Bill and stuff were were pretty funny. So it's very short. Uh, the guy I was going to mention, which is over here, uh, you have brought him up to me multiple times. Shea Serrano. A bookstore. One of the co-writers. See in his book. But yeah. yeah this, is, um, this is some of the best stuff that he's done in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I've seen a couple things he's done. Like Primo is also his show over on Freebie. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this is his best 
uh, work as a writer to date. He also co-wrote the film with Jason Concepcion, who I, I think uh, is worth pointing out because Concepcion used to be the co-host of the Binge Mode podcast, which did deep dives into like Harry Potter and uh, and uh, Game of Thrones and stuff like that. He now yeah. hosts the X-Ray Vision podcast, which is also like a, a nerd culture breakdown podcast. So podcasters, they can write movies too. Look at that. Who would have thought? Yeah. Intercut movie coming soon. But Miguel <laughs> wants to fight. I'd give it the thumbs up. I think it's really funny. It does not overstay its welcome because it's not long enough to overstay its yeah. welcome. Um, and I think that it's got a really fun cast of characters. So you can check this one out over on Hulu. Yep. But the final one that we have is a Shutter original movie that is playing on Shutter. It's called Bad Things and it stars an actress who some of you may know from a couple of different roles that she's done. I in particular know her from a TV series that's not going to pop up here, Glow. She played She-Wolf. She was really fantastic in that. And she's so good in that with the makeup that they put on her and how silent she is. That when you see her show all these other expressions, I'm like, oh yeah, that's completely forgot. You, <laughs> you, you can act. You are not just that one character. And here, I think she does a really good job embodying a bunch of different uh, emotions as a woman who receives this hotel as like uh, an inheritance. And while all of her friends are there, her girlfriend, played by Hari Neff, who is kind of down and out because she's been cheated on her in the past, but still has faith. And then their friends who come in. Uh, I want to say this is the extra one who gets to tag along, who ends up creating some chaos for the group, and then their actual close friend who kind of knows better than to, to, to trust the main one, but they start kind of seeing ghosts or maybe start suspecting each other of hiding secrets and even more devilish things in this hotel. Mm. Uh, I had pulled up right here other movies that she has been in. Uh, besides her smell, there is another movie that uh, Elizabeth Moss has been in. And I say this in the kindest way possible. Elizabeth Moss, this is her movie right here. Bad Things <laughs> is that that indie she scopes out to play at Sundance or South By to then get a streaming release. This is that. But she's had a couple where, I'd say like Queen of the Earth, where it's like a psychological thing. Right. You're wondering how much of it is happening in their minds. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's going to click for everybody, but I do think there's enough there in the movie where if you're paying attention to the characters and their motivations, and in particular, just the way that some people are talking to each other before you learn more about them, before they even learn more about each other, they're already, like there's some some simple but good direction in a lot of these uh, scenes. I think there's some scary images, but at the same time, it, it takes a bit to get there. It's more on the psychological side. So don't go in expecting a horror movie on Shudder. Go in expecting a psychological, uh, not even thriller, but more of a mental game uh, for bad things. So if you're curious, I mean, just good performances. Describing it as a, the type of role that Elizabeth Moss would go after is the kind of thing to get me really excited about it. So maybe I should like cool my hype a little bit, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely excited to check it out because I really like Gail Rankin. I mean, you you mentioned uh, her her appearance on Glow, but I think she's popped up in a bunch of films since then too and, and been pretty solid in them. Uh, she's got kind of a small role in that movie that I think it's called The Climb. Do you remember that one about the like biker friends? Oh, this is fantastic. Two thumbs yeah. up for The Climb. Yeah, and she's very good in that one too. So these are all of the movies that we had for this week here. Yeah, light week. It's a, it's a pretty light week, yeah, with Bad Things, Miguel Wants to Fight, Blue Beetle, The Monkey King, and Zach's favorite, Strays. I'm going to get it to you when it comes out on the Criterion Collection. <laughs> Please. I, I can't wait to see uh, the, the dog shit scene in uh, 4K. 
uh, a really quick one that I wanted to mention because we did do a bracket for Nolan. So I wanted to give a, yeah. a, a shout out to that bracket uh, in case y'all haven't checked it out. We had Taylor J. Williams and Carson Runquist. We duked it out for all the top movies. Bro, what is this? Someone really re-uploaded it backwards? <laughs> I just want I to mean, show it. It's so dumb. I mean, that's the best way to watch it, isn't it? No, the best way to watch it is with <laughs> subtitles. But yeah, that's uh, out there. I love the spoiler alert. I appreciate that. Right? Because it starts with the end. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to give a, a shout out to our uh, Twitter account where we are running a, a poll. Actually, that's not the right page. Uh, it is over there. A Twitter, po- a Twitter poll running through the Christopher Nolan bracket. What's Twitter? Oh, excuse me, X-Poll gotcha. running through the Christopher Nolan bracket. Uh, there's still a little bit of time left to vote in the first round, uh, although a lot of the matchups are, are pretty much decided. Maybe you can help sway the difference between Memento and The Prestige. But we've been doing these polls over on both our Twitter and our Instagram pages to find out the intercutie votes for what the uh, best Chris Nolan movie is or the best A24 movie is. So after you watch our brackets uh bracket episodes be sure to participate yourselves and let us know which movies should win um i guess it's time to shout out the most important people here on yes. the podcast and yes. that is of course the intercutie patrons absolutely let's give a big thanks to those intercutie patrons the wonderful people who support this show uh our academy level members are to shark Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. And then, of course, a big thanks to those producer-level patrons, Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. Thanks so much for all you do to support the show. A reminder that you, too, can support Intercut by heading over to patreon.com slash intercutpod. And you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to some Intercut episodes, uh, access to the Intercut episode outlines, a look at our brackets before we do them, uh, access to the private channels on the Intercut Discord, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings where we hang out, talk about movies, and get some of your thoughts on uh, what should go on on the show. You know, we always run our brackets by the patrons. We, we uh, probably will have to figure out what our next bracket is. And uh, although we did like a DC Films one, I don't know if we, we still want to do that. Because Blue Beetle's out, you know? Yeah, yeah, so. We got to see where it lands. Exactly. So not too late to be an intercutie patron and uh, join us for next month's Google meeting. So thanks to all our patrons. Shout out, y'all, intercuties. Appreciate you. Now it's time to get into our picks for the week, starting off with all of the new releases with... Let me see. I oh, stole okay. a couple off of I your about list. To, I was like, bro, I swore there was more. I was like, it can't just be Gran Turismo. All right, Zach's got some of the picks, so that means that at least it's going to be a good week. He, uh, good yeah. week. He took some down there. But the first one that he did not, what happened, Zach? You saw this one. Gran <laughs> Turismo, the Neil Blomkamp uh, adaptation to the Gran Turismo racing game is going to be out. Uh, I think we both got the chance to catch it early uh, on the Based on a True Story screenings in Dolby. And look, if you're just going into it as like the new Need for Speed, I think this is better. If you're going into it thinking like it's going to compete with like a Rush racing movie, Ford v Ferrari, <laughs> no. It, it, it is somewhere in the middle back half, I would say. I don't think it's a terrible movie. Yeah. I think it does some changes that I think are really weird for this Based on a True Story thing. Yeah. Uh, but when the action hits, I, I think it hits. I think you definitely... Uh, if you're curious in it, need to see it in a uh, premium format if that is your thing. If not, 
you can go room at home. Yeah, it's a it's a slick movie. It's a good time at the theater. There's some issues that I have with the uh, certain conveniences that they take along the way, but it's not a bad time at all. Uh, shout out Ricky. I think Ricky was the one who told us that he has seen it so many times. Fourth my time. Gonna, my man's going to have a copy of the movie and the games. He's just going to like... <laughs> copy it through but yeah ricky yeah. you gotta let us know what what your favorite easter eggs were in there because there was some somewhere decent somewhere interesting somewhere goofy they weren't even like i can't even say they're gran turismo easter eggs they were like a uh, server <laughs> they were like being online easter eggs uh yeah. when playing multiplayer but some of the other ones that are coming out is i, I guess what you could call the multiplayer vacation friends too which if you saw the first one is nothing but raunchiness between two couples who meet up together on vacation who are like on their honeymoon they've been married they got a sequel somehow. The first one was booted from theaters as the as Fox kind of got owned by Hulu, and now they've got a follow-up. I don't think this one's going to theaters, but it will be coming to Hulu. So if you like the first one, this one has some new faces in it. Might be funny. We'll see. Yeah, Steve Buscemi I mean, so- got me kind of intrigued supposedly the first Vacation Friends movie was like a record-breaking movie for Hulu. Every not that they'll ever, a record yeah, n- Not that they'll ever give us the numbers to prove that, but yeah. you know, uh, the first one was minorly successful. I think we both were kind of like lukewarm to negative on it, but the cast is decently funny, so I'll, I'll probably check it out as, as uh, even though I'm not like excited for it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hulu's exactly where it should be. That's where I would have put the first one. Yes. Uh, Star Wars Osaka starts. They sent me the first two Ahsoka? episodes because they knew. Ahsoka? Again, I they knew know. I was such a big fan that they yeah. needed to send this. I didn't get a Blue Beetle invite, but you know your boy got the uh, so, uh, Ahsoka uh, series. So, um, look, I, I have nothing against... Oh, great. I said series and all my phones went off. I, I have no backstory with this character i know her like you, mm-hmm. you know how like you don't need to know star wars to know that oh that's either the thing from insidious or darth maul like i know that this is only from star wars i don't think this character has been in anything yeah. else or anything looks like her so i'm curious to see what they're gonna do with it another one of their tv miniseries that maybe becomes a series but uh that will be out on disney plus yeah, and I know then, a lot of people really like her character from, is it Clone Wars, or does she have her own animated I say, thing? Yeah, that's the big deal, is that now they've made her, like, uh, actual live action, so. Yeah, right, and just in time for everybody to be over the Star Wars and Marvel shows. Yeah, um, and, and Loki ain't done, I guess. Uh, but the last one, which almost became uh, one of my recommended in terms of, like, what I have on the horizon, that type of recommendation for the pick week, since it is a little slow, would have been Scarlet, which played at the New York Film Festival, had a little bit of an indie run. It's on Hoopla right now. So if you wanted Ooh. to see, and um, I guess, art house movie, uh, more of an international film for free, you can check that out on Hoopla. Uh, but the other one that I also wanted to shout out that is on my watch list that will begin my top five will be Madeline Collins. It's supposed to be this movie of a woman who's kind of living this double life. But the reason I got to put it on, right, is because it's got my girl. She has had two back-to-back fantastic performances, one of them being uh, a standout for this year out of Sundance, Other People's Children. Uh, uh, so I definitely am anticipating this one because I did not expect her to have that many movies. But Madeline Collins, another really good lead. Uh, or at least I'm hoping to from her. I got okay. it on my radar. So that's my first pick, Madeline Collins. The next one is one that just came out on VOD, but it's still playing in theaters in some places. The Adults. This is a very intimate 
dramedy just through and through. I don't know when you consider something a drama, comedy, comedy, drama, and when you're willing to go full dramedy. But to me, when the characters are like talking to each other and the only way they know how to communicate is like to break into this bit like they're Conan O'Brien because that's how they grew up with each other. That's a dramedy to me. Um, I, I want to say, and to, to keep it vague, an incident happens that causes uh, Michael Sarah's character to return after he uh, went away. They never really went to go visit him, but now that he's come back, he's kind of dealing with all the baggage that uh, he's left behind. And it reminded me a lot of, um, I'm blinking on the name of the movie that I liked from last year with Dustin Hoffman, and it had... Uh, oh, geez, the, the one that um, Mayim had, Bialik uh, there directed? There you go. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, that one. Um Everything they they left, something like that. Uh, uh, as they made us. As they made there us. There we you. go. As that was they a really good us. one. And uh, obviously, I have that one way higher. But it had those kind of same emotions of like going back and returning and and like recouping all the stuff that you kind of left behind and the baggage, not just from the people who may not be there anymore, but the people who stayed. So the adults. Uh, it may not be for everybody because it's a little quirky. But Sophia Lillis, fantastic yeah. job, bro. She's on the come up. Uh, Reservation Dogs Season 3 If you like Miguel Wants to Fight These guys are fighting All the time Reservation yeah. Dogs Has been a very solid series Since the beginning uh, an- Another really good group Of tight-knit friends Who again Are just trying to survive In this reservation That they've got going on Taika has been a producer I want to say For mm-hmm. all three seasons And the third one's coming up This week So check that one yeah, out Yeah And I believe This is their final season As well So oh. no better time Than the present To get into I think like I, I feel like Pretty confident That we can say this is one of the most underrated shows on TV. Like, even underrated by us, we should probably be talking about the Sterling yeah. Harjo show a lot more. Uh, the cast is really excellent. I, I know that, um, I think her name is Devery Jacobs, one of the uh, cast members, is also going to be in a, a Toronto movie that I'm really excited about that we'll oh, probably nice. talk about. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out Reservation Dogs. No, Reservation Dogs is really good, so hopefully uh, this gets on more people's radar. But you know that thing that pisses me off about these three-season uh seasons they don't allow them to be able to one build their characters so that people Mm -hmm. get to like them but then just monetarily speaking but we got to keep it a buck y'all can like put people natives hispanic whatever you want but if you're not giving them the chance to even be able to syndicate yeah there's a reason people like what are we striking if you're not even going to be able to get enough seasons to have it be a package that's Mm -hmm. a lot of you know behind the scenes baseball of of how these shows really thrive but you don't get the same residuals when you're cutting them off at three seasons, and that's always been the Netflix rule. Cut them off at three seasons. They don't have this big, like, Friends catalog, but Reservation Dogs, it is out there. Yeah. Uh, And hopefully wraps up strong. It's funny you mentioned that because, like, the biggest show of the summer is Suits because Netflix uploaded Suits, and that's another show that got to last for several years, and people really enjoy watching 100-plus episodes of a thing. Like, maybe Uh people should get back around to doing that. Maybe. Not just cancel everything left and right. Mm -hmm. eh? That that is, I would say, one of the big problems of how these uh, studios get away with it. Uh, The last two would be, you heard about this Coraline Remastered where they're adding never-before-seen shots that they animated? I did. Shout out to uh, Connor, one of our patrons, who was tweeting about how good it is. Oh, he liked it? Yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, They extended it. So I'm very curious to see uh, what they've added to it because I can't imagine having worked for like, like, what what is one minute? A month? Two months of of work? And then it didn't make the cut? (laughs) Like, I'm going to want to see that. Especially if you're like an animator who worked on it and then (laughs) didn't make it in. You literally want to see your your fingerprint up on screen. So it is remastered. It was having a lot of sellout showings and it's going to have a couple more 
uh, out this week. But then the final one, since it is slow, I had to go back and uh, just catch an oldie. So I got an oldie pick right here, and I feel bad calling it an oldie because it's just the last movie that she did, Little yeah. Women. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of um, – of the interviews for Barbie, and I in particular went back to Little Women because of the way she talks about adaptations. If you haven't seen Little Women, I think she knocked it out of the park with this one, and I think, Zach, you and I have been of the belief that she's been making kind of the same movie a dozen times now. Mm-hmm. They end the exact same way. Mm-hmm. But people just needed it in a Barbie IP movie because when she made the anti-IP movie with her husband, no one really vibed with that but you and I in uh, The White... White Noise. Little Women, she has this line in the making of where she talks about that an adaptation isn't an adaptation of the text, but an adaptation of the text and the author and what every reader has ever known about it. And that what Mm -hmm. you're adapting is the lineage of how people perceive the book and then applying that to Barbie. I don't know. If, if you are a big fan of Barbie, you you just got to go back and rewatch Little Women. A lot of the themes that are in there are really strong. And, bro, we were just talking about money in terms of a, a three seasons. Mm-hmm. The through line in this movie is not saying female empowerment. It's saying, do you have this? Do you have the thing that you need in order to be able to be financially uh, viable in the business that you want to be in? Uh, Florence Pugh being the one person who got nominated for this role, her whole bit is this idea of not being um, of being financially stable, not having to depend on a husband. Then you have Emma's character who's like, that's the route that she wants to go on. Bruh. This adaptation gets better through time. I really liked it when it first came out. I still got like my LME notes for it with a hilarious thumbnail. I might have to boot that back up because Little Women is a standout. And uh, I, I just I love seeing Greta Gerwig's just like filmography really come to life. Directors who like you can zoom out a little bit and you see those through lines of what they're carrying. It, it makes the the ideas that she really wants to put out there come full circle when you're able to take what she says in Barbie and then Little Women in White Noise. It's, brah, it's really, really good. So Little Women is my throwback pick for this week. Yeah, um, I would say that Little Women, at least currently, is my least favorite of the Greta Gerwig movies, but that kind of <laughs> makes me that kind of makes me want to revisit it. Like I feel like the, the, she's such a great director and people love that one so much Did that I, I need America? to... Uh, I think that was Noah. Oh, okay. So we're not. We're only saying directing. Lady Bird and Barbie. Yeah, just just of those. And, and I guess if you want to throw Francis Ha in there, gone? if oh, you yeah, want to throw Francis Ha, you bottom. can. Bottom. Yeah. Really? That, I love that's Francis just me, bro. Ha. Oh, for sure. I'll revisit that one too one day. <laughs> well, I'll uh, do Little Women. You do Francis. All right. For my sure. Five. Uh, it includes a movie that I think we're both really excited for, even though it's coming out in limited release this week. Bottoms, the return of the Rachel Sennett, Emma Seligman duo, uh, who previously gave us Shiva Baby. This one is a bit different than Shiva Baby, which uh, Shiva, we really loved the awkward intimacy and the uncomfortable comedy of that movie. It, it's a comedy that's sort of meant to make you squirm and meant to make you not like kind of laugh at how awkward things are. This is different. This is a broad throwback Y2K era homage, a uh, high school comedy with just a, a relentlessly fast paced joke delivery system. Th- this is, uh, but, uh, but I'm a cheerleader meets uh, not another teen movie or whatever. I-, I found this one to be hysterical. You know, it is packed with jokes and all the jokes, if they're not good, they're at least good enough, but a few of them are pretty great. And the cast particularly is what makes this thing. Uh, Rachel Sennett just in a role that is perfectly suited to her type of delivery. Uh, Io Debris also hilarious in this mode. And then lots of... Uh, 
other actors who shout are somewhat Marshawn. recognizable. Yeah, shout out Marshawn, who has not been better, I think, in a movie or TV show. Um, Nicholas Galtzine, who we just saw in Red, White, and Royal Blue. Very funny, a small part. I feel like Ruby Cruz was the person who uh, most of us were kind of surprised by, or, or at least, like, uh, was the revelation out of South mm-hmm. by Southwest. I don't know, man. I just thought this was uh, packed with hilarious stuff and it pretty pretty solidly made too. Like I'm not gonna say this is the most beautiful looking movie ever, but it is both like very visually re- reminiscent of the type of comedies that is trying to um, evoke, and it also does a very intelligent job of framing multiple people in the same shot and connecting shots together. You know, you look at a movie like Joyride, which came out earlier this year, and it is very funny, but one of the things that I think hurts the comedy of that movie is there's so much, like, cut to reaction shot back and forth, back and forth, and you don't just have the same funny people occupying the same screen space for a prolonged period of time. There's so many great walk-in talks with just Rachel and Io being hilarious for a minute together, and I think comedies need more stuff like that. So I couldn't recommend Bottoms more highly uh, in select cities this weekend and then expanding next. Nice. Uh, what do we have else? What else was on my list? I got to remember. Uh, Landscape. Yeah, another movie that I liked that we saw at a film festival. Uh, I like this one more than you did when we saw it at S- Sundance. It's uh, yeah. direct the latest from our boy Corey Finley, who, of course, did Thoroughbreds and Bad Education. This one is sort of a, a different style alien invasion movie. It's not a hostile takeover, but an economic one. And it ends up being the platform for what is a really silly kind of satire of the world economy and of class. And I, I just think there's a lot of very smart ideas in this movie, even if they're handled very heavy handedly and, and uh Obviously, I just like that this is that, that there's a movie about this stuff that is kind of comedic and silly and and takes a different approach to it, right? Like it's easier sometimes to talk about these issues when you are able to distance yourselves from them in a way. Um, and I like the cast here a lot too. It's got our boy Asante Black, Black who has uh, been in two movies this year that we saw where uh, he's painting walls, but. I don't know. I don't know which one I like more. I think I maybe like Story Ave a little bit more, but this one's very good, too. Oh, I definitely um, have Story Ave first. Yeah. I, oh, I know you do. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is very funny in this movie. Michael Gandolfini is kind of funny in a small part. I don't know. It, it feels like this is a movie that's going to be overlooked, and then maybe some people will find it on streaming and really vibe with it, but don't overlook it. Go give it a shot. Landscape with Invisible Hand. Oh, uh, try to read the book before next week. Nice. I'll give a shout out to uh, my boy, The Sandman. He's back on Netflix fulfilling that obligation uh, with You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, which intriguingly stars his daughters, Sonny and Sadie, in the, the lead roles. Adam definitely looks like he's kind of like just the dad in this movie, not the star of it. Um, I don't know what that means. Sandler is a guy who loves to get his friends and family involved in films. Uh, Intriguingly, his wife is in this movie, but not as the mother of their daughters. Uh, Adina Menzel is the mother of their daughters. So Adam and Adina are uh, playing a married couple yet again. Uh, He loves to to recast people. Look, I mean, I don't think this is going to be like the, the, 
most prestigious film or the most artfully handled film or maybe not even the funniest film you see this weekend. But Sandler is pretty reliable at these kind of broad, silly comedies. I, I find it interesting that he's trying to lend his approach to like a different genre or different demographic of leads here. Maybe it'll be a disaster, but I thought the trailer was cute for like a kind of funny teenage movie. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I know your your mileage with the uh, Sandler Netflix movies is not nearly as far as mine. Uh, but I, I don't know. I dig them. I, I, I dig them. higher than the last. Um, and the, wait, what was the last one? Was it? Do you remember his last Netflix movie? I don't oh, know. Oh, his, his last Netflix movie? Wasn't yeah. it Murder Mystery? Yeah, that one was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm going to give another shout-out to Miguel Wants to Fight over on Hulu. I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a really fun energy to it. Uh, and as we've been mentioning, you know, pretty pretty brief, pretty enjoyable. So 75 minutes worth your while over on Hulu. But it's not the best movie on Hulu right now because the best movie on Hulu right now is one of my favorite films of the year. It's How to Blow Up a Pipeline. If you have not yet had a chance to watch this film that is Ocean's Eleven meets eco-terrorism, please check it out. It is uh, visceral. It is electric. It is tension-filled and really well-acted. I think the writing is phenomenal. And it just, like, it's it's breezy. It's electric. It's, it's really, really, like, I don't know. I I, I felt like surges through my veins watching this movie so maybe you will too um that would be all the stuff for our picks this week running it back over here i had the duel of scarlet and madeline collins that i'm looking forward to independent movies that uh, i haven't had the chance to to catch yet but one of them is available just right there on demand for free uh the adults is a little intimate you know story of siblings that have now become adults that i think will resonate with a lot of people so if you catch the trailer and it's a vibe you want to you want to watch uh keep an eye out for it reservation dogs Zach, let me know that this is the last season so mm. you know the first season was solid I, I got through most of the second season uh with season three starting up i, I definitely want to uh give it a little bit more coverage but check this one out because i think it's been a solid cast over on hulu Coraline. in case you're curious on these never before seen over a decade old shots for the stop motion classic it's going to be uh, re-release and extended for this week and then Little Women uh, going back on my Greta Gerwig watch she's got a good lineup so far and uh, Little Women is a very solid movie definitely Zach I have where are you starting top alright I have Bottoms which starting is starting at the top if, of Bottoms <laughs> exactly at the top we'll start at the bottom uh, I have Bottoms which if it's not the funniest movie of the year then is absolutely in contention for it a great throwback to Y2K era teen comedies I have Landscape with Invisible Hand a really clever satire of the world economy in the form of an alien invasion movie from Corey Finley I have You Are So Not Invited to My Bot Mitzvah the latest in Adam Sandler family uh, branding extension. I don't know. It, it looks enjoyable. It looks sweet for a teen comedy on Netflix, but uh, a guaranteed good teen comedy on streaming is Miguel Wants to Fight, my pick on Hulu, an enjoyable homage to great action movies. 
Uh, and my favorite of the picks for the week is the newly released to Hulu, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. It demands to be watched. Those are all of the picks and reviews that we have for this week in movies. You can find me over at LME Movies on all social medias. But Zach, where can people find more from you? You can find me at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, or check me out on YouTube or TikTok at Multiplex Show. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercom Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I listen to the raw files. Uh, <laughs> but you can catch all the live video here every Monday on YouTube.com where we talk to you all in the chat. Shout out to everybody who was there for the live stream. Everybody who comments afterwards as well. We really appreciate that. A big shout out to all the intercuties who listen live, but all of the patrons as well. We had yeah. uh, two brackets last week. So if you're, if you're ready for that, we like to have a little talk. And then we went in on just everybody going at what the best of the best was going to be. Even if some people hadn't seen a movie, they were still very um, very passionate about a Catwoman movie, which I was not <laughs> expecting this last round. But uh, a big thank you to all, all of you, and a, a big shout-out to all the iTunes listeners who leave us five stars, because those five stars really help us in order to be able to get more uh, access to screenings and reviews and all that. So don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials, and until next time, keep watching movies and maybe DC will adapt you.